Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hi, I'm your host, Jack McLean, and today my guest is Luke Mann. He's a head strength conditioning coach at the Richmond Tigers Football Club. Luke has worked in the AFL for almost 20 years. He started as an intern under Loris Bertolacci at the Geelong Cats, worked at Western Bulldogs for full-time for six years before moving over to Richmond Football Club where he's been at for the last nine years. Highlights from this episode. We discuss the importance of being organised and having a plan, why relationships is so critical and how to develop them with players and staff, Luke's biggest learnings and how his philosophy has evolved over the years. Football requires a collaborative approach Luke discusses the key pillars of strength and power development. Before we start this episode, to connect with our guests, coaches, athletes, and fellow podcast listeners, make sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You can find the links in the show notes. It'd be great if you could like, share, and rate this episode. The support goes a long way in helping us grow and help more people. Let's go. G'day, Luke. Thanks for jumping on, mate. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jack. (laughs) Been a while. Been trying to have this for a few months, haven't we? I know it's good. I'm looking forward to this one. It's it's, it's definitely uh, had a build up. We we got there in the end, and uh, persistence definitely pays off. I'm I'm uh, excited to have you on, mate. So yeah. um, Emily's been on, and and she uh, has passed the baton over to you, mate. But let's uh, yeah. let's let's jump at the very beginning of of your career. At what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning and high performance sport? Yeah, um, probably a bit later than uh, than you might expect. I um. I finished school a, a long, long time ago, and um, I was uh, I was one of the younger kids at school. So I, I was seventeen when I finished. I wasn't uh, I didn't have my license, and I wasn't supposed to be going to the pub and all that sort of stuff. So I was a little bit younger, and I was quite lost actually. I I um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, and you know I, I ended up enrolling in a business degree um, undergraduate course. Because honestly, I, did, I just didn't know, and you know, I, like, I didn't mind maths and accounting, and um, so I started university having no, you know, nothing to do with what I currently do, um, and uh, I was quite immature and young when I started university, and um, not very disciplined, and um, it just didn't really work for me, and uh, I tipped out pretty quickly, um, you know, and uh, just spent a year actually working in a petrol station. <laughs> Yep, um, yep. sort of trying to work out what I wanted to do in life and I was a little bit lost. Um, in, in hindsight, I always, I sort of wish I'd traveled or done something more productive with my time. Um, but I didn't anyway. So I, I worked for a year at a petrol station and done a few other things, um, kind of wondering what I wanted to do. And I, I reflected a lot and, um, obviously I really liked um, keeping fit and yes. I really liked sport. Um, and so I, Eventually settled on, well, I'd like to be a PE teacher. Um, so I enrolled in a, um, which is, I think it's now called the exercise science, but it was a human movement degree um, with teaching as a site. Well, a teaching degree with human movement. Um, and I got into the course and quickly found out that I love the human movement side of things and not so much the teaching. So I dropped the teaching and, and kept up the human movement side of things. Um, not, not sure, not Again, not thinking I would ever end up in sport. Um, I kind of, yeah, still wasn't really sure. I thought maybe I'd get into being a personal trainer or working in the gym. Um, but wasn't really sure. Maybe even nutrition, which, funnily enough, my wife um, is a is a dietitian. Um, and in the end, um, I remember uh, I remember meeting just through chance um, up in Brisbane, actually, Geelong's fitness coach at the time. Um, which you probably now call high performance manager. His name was Loris Bertolacci. Um, and I met him and got talking to him and he, he thankfully, and, um, and I'll always be um, grateful, offered me some work experience um, with him down at the Cats. I told him what I did at Union. Um, so, yeah, that, that became a thing. And I went down to, down to Geelong. I drove down to Geelong. I was living in Melbourne um, once a week and just did whatever I could, um, you know, helping them clean the gym or put out cone or just whatever, um, whatever he needed. Um, I was probably more of a pest than a help. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, it was probably that was kind of the time. Um, so I was probably 24 um, by the time I sort of realised, oh, this is, this is pretty cool working with um, professional football players and in this environment with, you know, professional strength coaches. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably how it all evolved for me. Um, kind of wasn't – I didn't go to uni expecting to end up in this role, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love that story, mate. Thanks, thanks for sharing. And, and, you know, I imagine there'd be some strength and conditioning coaches that might be in that, or there's a few chapters that you mentioned there, but that challenge of not knowing, you know, what to do after school or where am I going with my career, uh, it is a tough time. You're sort of growing from a personal point of view of who you are, but also professionally you feel, you know, your mates are starting to work out what they're doing and, and you're feeling a little bit behind. You, you mentioned... Yeah you know you're starting the business degree and it just didn't sit right with you you could have just just stuck with it and got it done what what how did you sort of have the uh what did you go off gut feeling to be like no nah, this is not me i'm just going to pull out and uh, try something different yeah so it was probably a combination of um that plus i i was just probably not really ready for not being held accountable to go into lectures and um to you know shoots and all that kind of thing um I come from, a, obviously, we all go to school and, and uh, you know, there's a role taken and all this sort of stuff. And I'll just look back now, I think I was so young and immature and I just, you know, Fridays and Mondays, you know, I would find myself at home and not going in. And I just, I don't know, maybe it was because I wasn't that interested in the course and also, yeah, I think I was too immature for the, um, for the environment at the time. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And yeah, then if I'm being really honest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... And that session you had with Loris, how did that come about? Was there a connection before you guys met? Like, obviously, you saw something in you. So, was there um, what yeah, that no, conversation I, come about? Really, really, honestly, by chance, um, my my dad was living in Brisbane at the time, um, and I went up there to visit him, and he took me to a, a Lions Geelong game, and um, I don't know how it ended up, but yeah, we, we ended up down in the Geelong rooms for some reason. I think he had a partner or there was some reason I was down there and I saw Loris stretching the guys and handing out drinks and all sorts of stuff. And I was sort of standing near him and I just started talking to him and he, he's a lovely bloke, Loris. I'm not sure if you um, know much about him. And um, he was you know, really, he's, really he's open. Been, he's, been, he's, he's been on the podcast. He was a ripper. Oh, he's been on the podcast. He, he, yeah, no, nah, he's... Yeah, yeah, and he and he he was just yeah, he was just the loveliest bloke. Um, and yeah, I'm not really sure why why he uh, why he gave me so much, but yeah, thank God he did. Um, and yeah, it was from that moment onwards that I I kind of yeah I uh, you saw it. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that yeah, yeah. completely. Which, which, yeah, it's a weird story, probably probably quite different to what you've heard before from others. Yeah, it, it's a good one though because I think. It, you know, p- there will be periods of where that will resonate with people. We've all had periods of our, chapters of our life where you are a bit lost and you want to rush that yeah. decision of just doing stuff. But um, yeah. and how important as well it is to uh, follow what you're interested in um, and yeah. what's work, what's flowing. I guess, right? Like like you said with the uni, it just wasn't clicking with you. Um, yeah. And then with with Loris actually seeing because you weren't sure at that point what you wanted to do, but by seeing that environment, you. It sounds like you were excited by that. Sorry, his role, what he was doing, his purpose in the role, and that that yep. clicked with with yourself. And then you started yep. doing that. So you mentioned how yeah, that one day a week, bit of travel involved, uh, yeah, yep. doing your best to help out Loris in, in his role by assisting him and, and being a pest by the sounds by you know being a shadow and asking him lots of questions. For, for <laughs> people that are interns now, the, how important is it to contribute? Like you said, with the cones and the setting up the gyms, although they're not the sexy roles to have and they're not flashy, but how important is it to really own that assistance? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, um, I think it's really important that if you are lucky enough to get a role, an internship, um, you know, it's really important to do the little things and take the initiative and not have to be asked, I suppose. And just, I don't know. It, 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 it it's, yeah, it kind of, you don't want to um, belittle people, by telling them to put cones out or, you know, you just sort of want to see some enthusiasm from them. Um, mm. And and then I think in turn when you see that and you see that someone's really into it and really excited to be in your environment and learn, um, you're probably more willing to give them more of your time um, to pass on what you you know and and kind of help them. Um, 
yeah, it's it's one of those things, I suppose. I don't know. It's always come naturally to me when I, you know, kind of just do everything you can. Um, but I've seen lots of different interns and ones that, you know, I think come into it and think it's all glamour and want to go straight into doing all the biggest stuff. And, you know, and then you see some, some others, which are great that understand um, the, the internship role. And yeah, I hope I'm making sense that, yeah. Uh, you are, mate. If you, if, yeah. And it's even really, it's really, really hard to, to get these roles in the current environment because of COVID and clubs are really limited and who's allowed into clubs and, it's um it's becoming quite rare to actually I'm not sure if you know many people who have got cadetships at the moment or internships um but yeah we we've had two years we've hardly had anyone um in those roles just just a handful maybe whereas in the past we've had plenty of people roll through and and try to give as many as much help as we can um but yeah COVID's kind of changed um the opportunities have dried up a little bit hopefully yeah. that changes soon yeah. Yeah, so but there's two takeaways there for those listening. They're, they're bloody competitive, and it, and like you mentioned, it set you up that being in the environment, you saw what what you wanted to get out of it. Yeah. Like when you started helping out, Loris, is that where you started to see? Okay, I, I can see my career path a little bit here. And you started, to- yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It was funny. He um he had and Loris has always been really intelligent ahead of his time and and very um quite a lateral thinker. He he had developed a Excel database for load monitoring, um, which is something that's quite common, obviously, and quite advanced how we do it now these days. But he had a really basic RPE system and time and training time by RPE. And um, he kind of developed this in conjunction with a, a few consultants. Um, and yeah, so I was kind of helping out gathering data and entering data and kind of, um, I suppose, helping him. Yeah, you know, he would he would obviously assess the uh, data that was in there, but yeah, helping him with load reports, and it was very very early days of all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I kind of was into this sports science side of the conditioning and fitness department um, when I first started, and that kind of carried over when I got my next role, um, full time job. Um, it was kind of more that than what I actually do now, and. Um, so yeah, it kind of I, yeah. I suppose we'll get into how that all evolved, but yeah, it was kind of that stuff first, um, which I was really interested in. Not so much the S and C, funnily enough. Right. More the, the the data analytics and sports science side of things. Yeah, which loads. is funny because I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not a real big data guy, but yeah, I was really, that kind of that was kind of my first um, foray into professional sport was helping out with all that stuff. Yeah, and then yeah, you mentioned the progression. So how did that come about? So oh, I guess actually, let's first backtrack a little bit. So you're doing that one day a week, and yep. um, yep. you were doing your degree, which is sort of like the equivalent yep. of exercise science. How were you sort of making yep. ends meet at that point in your career? Were you still yeah. working at the petrol station, or no, no, no? So I, yeah, it was, it was pretty hard because um, I suppose number one, I, I thought this is such a great opportunity um, that. Loris and the cats were affording me. Um, so I kind of at some point decided I'm going to give them as much time as I can. Um, so I was just down there probably more than one day a week. I was going off as often as I could and I was helping out wherever I could, um, which kind of then limited with when I was studying as well, limiting um, time to go and earn some money as well. Um, mm. So I think I was doing some random jobs. I, I, I did worked on a few data gathering studies for for some Deakin projects, Deakin University projects. Uh, I got a role helping out the Geelong um, College Senior 18 team. There was a little bit of money there. I was sort of doing odd, odd bits and pieces, but honestly, I wasn't earning a lot of money. Um, I was kind of, yeah. And at some point as well, I actually moved down to Geelong and, and um, rented a room off Loris um, at a very cheap rate, thank God. But, yeah, I kind of was just making <laughs> – making ends meet. I, I remember every, every weekend I'd make a big batch of bolognese and kind of drag it out over the week. Cause I didn't have much <laughs> money to buy food. Yeah. And, and even like, you know, like there'd be half a loaf of bread at the club that was almost out of date and what no one was going to eat it. So I'd like take that home and, you know, I just, I didn't have a lot of money. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but I didn't care. I was kind of down there thinking this is just the coolest job in the world. And, um, you know, I, I, it didn't really bother me that I didn't have a lot of money. Um, and it probably it's what you wanted to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was, was great. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And then, yeah, that, 
what did the next progression of that look like? Was that then to a part-time like paid yeah, role? Yeah, so or? that became yeah, that's right. So that became um, lucky enough a part-time role. Um, I was helping out a little bit with the AFL senior team during the day, but then I was doing two or three nights a week, um, kind of trying to run a similar program with the Geelong VFL team. Geelong were, um, I think they were the first club and they might've been the only club for a while that actually had their own standalone VFL team, um, which now everyone has. Um, so they had their own team that would train at night that was in, fully integrated into the club. So that, that was a great year for me. Like um, I was kind of thrown into the deep end. And um, so I'd be taking my own warmups at night. I'd be, running their strength program and be doing their fitness program. Um, and then game day came along once the season started. Um, so yeah, that, that's how that evolved. And, and that was really, really a really great year of learning for me. Um, Cause I was, I was um, people that know me now probably wouldn't believe this, but I was quite a shy kid. <laughs> I was growing up and you know, it's like, you can't really, um, you can't really be like that when you're, in front of um, leading a group, bikes taking a warm up, or yeah, you know. So it was a really, really good year for me um, in terms of um, yeah, learning and growth. Um, so I think that was two thousand and five, um, which was a long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, Lee Cheetah was the uh, coach of the Cats, and he he was great for me too. He he probably could tell I was uh, a bit out of my depth, but never made me feel like that. Um, I was always quite encouraging and, and respectful. So. Yeah, I'd be forever grateful for that that year. And looking back now, like like you mentioned, the importance of leading your own program, and from a personal point of view, like getting out of your comfort zone, but then also professionally, like you're running your warm up, you're developing your philosophy, yeah. I guess, on implementing yeah. what you've seen, and and by assisting to now running it. Um, how important is is leading a program uh, for strength yeah. and coaches? Um. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, that's what I did. So I would probably tell you it's a great idea and a great opportunity. Um, but yeah, like people are getting into the, into sport that haven't gone down that path. Um, so I'm not sure it's integral, yep. but you know, it, it, it was another thing. It was, it sort of taught me, you, you come out of uni quite bright eyed um, and you know, you think you know everything and you think that, um, you think that every athlete's going to like love training in the gym, love extra running, love being as fit as they are. And then you kind of get into, into the sports environment and learn pretty quickly that, you know, only a handful of the guys actually really love doing strength work all the time. And, and a handful of guys love the running and eat it up, you know, like um, you learn pretty quick that everything that you learn doesn't necessarily apply. And, and it, it's a, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, and I'm sure you've seen this yourself. Um, yeah, I, I came into the into sport thinking, oh, you know, they're going to love, everyone's going to love squatting and deadlifting and, you know, cleaning and all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, I laugh now. Like, there's, you know, only a certain percentage of teams even now that I work with, the guys that actually love doing gym. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you know, running your own program is, is a great opportunity, but, you know, I'm not sure it's the, the only way into the, um, into the system. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good insight. So there's yeah, many ways to sort of grow within high performance yep. sport, um, but you felt that's like right. it's a it, by by learning how to assist and then learning how to lead. It was good yep. development from from a personal point of view. And the, True. And the, yeah, no, I would. I guess the application, sorry, would, like you say, said, for the sport science. Yeah, that's true. So you sort of got to do everything, which is great, and you sort of see how it all fits. Um, what, one thing I will say is, anyone that's trying to get into professional sport um, with uh, internship opportunities kind of drying up. Um, helping out because every AFL team has a VFL, every Victorian team has a, a, a VFL link. Um, that's kind of, I think, the way in at the moment. If you if you really want to get in, and I'm sure you know this yourself, like helping out at the VFL level or even the AFLW side of things, and being in the club um, is probably is probably the way to do it at the moment. I'm not sure. Would you agree with that? Because it is hard to get in, as you know. Um, mm. There's only 18 clubs and 40, and you know, <laughs> there's not that many roles. Um, so yeah, I think I think in the past it might have been you know doing an internship which led to jobs, but at the moment I think the best way through to show who you are and how you work and how you operate is through VFL systems and AFLW team. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it, like you said, with COVID, it's made things 
a lot a lot less opportunities at, at the top level. So I guess yep. there's uh, if you're in an opportunity where you are helping out and you're lucky enough to have an internship, make the most of it. And then, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're not, don't be disheartened with being at any level, I guess, and just getting experience um, yep. because, you can, you know, opportunities are going to have to come somewhere. And if you're yep. working in sport, it's not a bad way to, yep. to be using your time. Yeah, well, uh, just as a case in point, our, um, uh, uh, we just hired a rehab coordinator um, who came through, Dan, his name's Dan Bailey. Um, he came through our AFLW program. So, you know, that was his way into, like he was working at Cary, um, doing some S&C stuff. He's an athletics coach, doing all the things everyone does, helping out, trying to help out wherever he could. And, yeah, he was part of our AFLW program, impressed everyone in that and work sort of came through. And so when, um, when, our, when this role opened up, it was kind of a, an easy hire for us. Um, because we already knew him and, and had, great, um, had great feedback from the AFLW staff. So the, it is, don't knock back what I'm trying to say to people is, yeah, AFLW is definitely a pathway into, into and AFLW in itself is a role as well. So, And yeah. with, I guess, taking COVID out of sight, but if you are in AFLW or VFL with these aligned clubs uh, and potentially there's not a crossover, do you think um, is it worthwhile trying to, help out like you said you were trying to spend as much time as you could at Geelong and put yeah, that to a so. side for a second but do you think yep. that's the approach you got to take is help out where you can in all in the other yep. programs yeah absolutely yeah it is um yeah and again you know I, I think you know especially with staff cutbacks and things in the last two years like everyone that's working in in footy departments but then yeah in our area of footy departments are pretty busy so it's like it's also quite hard to then have interns that um, just want to stand by you and want to learn, like you kind of got to show your worth as well and, and get involved and help out. Yeah. Yeah. That, that helps. It contributes. Uh, some people out there. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure they already knew that, but yeah. 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 It, it's a good philosophy, isn't it? Like you got to give first before trying to take. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to your career, like you mentioned Loris, who are some other people that have helped influence your um, career? Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've, I've worked with a lot of, um, I guess you call them high performance managers now, or senior fitness guys. So Loris was my first. Um, with him was Chris Dennis, who taught me a lot about strength training. Loris taught me a lot about power. Actually, Loris taught me a lot. Um, he was a great mentor and um, someone to bounce and learn a lot off. Um, after, after the cats, I was lucky enough to get a job. Um, so, have you, you, do you know Cam Falloon, who is yep. quite a successful business guy? With He's been on body as well. Fit. Oh, has, mate's yeah. been on. <laughs> so, Cam, um, Cam and I were at the cats with Loris in 2006. Um, and um, that all ended, and, and Cam got hired as, as head of fitness or whatever the role was called back then at, um, at the Western Bulldogs. And luckily enough, I'd, I'd formed a good enough relationship or whatever with him and, and he gave me my first full-time job at the dogs in um end of 2006 so going into 2007 and cam cam was a great boss too you know he, he was oh, what i learned from cam was um being organized and and he had a great mind for rehab and and strength um so cam, cam was a great role model or great um mentor as well um after cam cam left for port adelaide i think in 2000 nine or end of 2008 so so bill daverin uh he was hired as cam's replacement in 2009 and um so i'd learned a lot of the, the technical stuff of snc and rehab from the other guys but then bill came in and bill came from a coaching background he'd been head coach of triathlon australia for i think 10 years coach wow. you know medalist gold medalist com games gold medalists olympic he he had a lot of experience in coaching. So so Bill and I've got a great relationship with Bill. Bill Bill probably taught me the coaching and human side of S and C and building relationships with other people in a footy department. Um, not being so com- compartmentalized with fitness and medical. Um, so Bill taught me yeah Bill taught me the coaching side of things. And then I'm sorry I hope I'm not skipping too far too far ahead here. I then. When I eventually got my current role at Richmond, started working with Peter Burge, um, who's an ex, very successful ex um, long jumper and triple jumper. And Pete, um, I don't know, Pete's taught me a lot about 
management, um, building relationships, and how our role fits into a complete football program. Um, and, you know where, where the strength role fits in, and where you know. So, so I've I've been really lucky. I've, I've worked with a lot of different guys, and and they've all taught me something really important um, to make me the uh, the operator that I am today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some. Um... That's a good list of op- yeah. quality yeah. operators, yeah, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. I've also worked with lots of other guys and assistants in, that have taught me a lot as well, but they're the main guys that sort of head yeah. roll. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and yep. relationships stood out to me throughout all of that. But for what would yep. be, for those listening, athletes as well as staff, some actionable things that you've implemented over your career that you've learned off these guys that, you've worked on, I guess, to, to develop relationships. Obviously, being a good person is something that's talked about a lot, but yeah, what are some things yeah. that do you think to work on that area? Yeah, I guess I, guess I should go back. Um, so when I first started, you, I'd be very quiet. You know, fitness is, fitness and strength condition is the most important thing in the footy club. I wasn't really thinking too far outside. and um, I wasn't dismissive of other parts of the footy club, but, you know, I, I thought that S&C, was the most important role and the most important and we should be respected and all this kind of thing. And it probably stopped me from, um, I don't know, opening my eyes up to, to other people that I worked with. Um, medical, I mean, you know, I worked with some awesome guys, awesome doctors and physios and I've kind of like, I don't know whether it was my being naive or, you know, maybe I was a little bit insecure in what I did. So I just didn't really kind of give, people in those roles as much um, respect as I probably do now. Um, so I've learned over time that, um, yeah, you, you're, you're one little cog in a massive chain of cogs in a footy department and everyone that's there is, is uh, really experienced and valuable and, and knows what they're doing. And, um, you know, I'm a way better operator now for, for being like that. I hope that makes sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, yeah, like the other thing is like um, – I think I mentioned before, I was quite quite shy when I first started in sport. And so I just kind of like went in, running, did my job, did my role, and then kind of got out. And um, I think I've become uh, better at sort of embracing that footy, you know, or sport, you've got to treat it like a vocation more than a job. Um, you've got to really, you know, it's part of your life and lifestyle. And you spend so much time there and so much time with these people that, yeah, I've become more invested in, you know, the people I work with and trying to spend more time, not just doing my job, but getting to know other people. And, um, yeah, I hope I'm answering this all right. But nah, past yeah. my bedtime, right. so I might be rambling a little bit. I go to bed. No, no, no. No, it is, mate. It's, it, it, it's something that uh, resonates with me because I definitely uh, have felt that, like uh, being shy as well. And you want to just yeah. own your role. And then I guess, like you said, you can be insecure because you're just trying to find your own way and be competent at your own specific role that that's all you're focusing on is your own little cog. And then um, yeah. trying to then be able to yeah, think a collaborative approach and more holistic laterally as you grow yeah. makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, the, the, what you said there, developing the relationship. So does that, we, I imagine you'd have different strategies to do that with different people, but like, is that, things that you do within the club. So making sure you, you, you know, get into the medical room, get into, you know, connect with the coaches in the corridor or yeah. is that more something that you do, you think, outside of the, the workplace? Um, well, a couple of things. So uh, at our club, we've got great area, communal area um, with coffee machines and couches. So it's quite easy to roll into work, set your day up and go upstairs and kind of spend 20, 30 minutes, you know, talking to everyone upstairs. Um, secondly, when, when we travel, um, you know, like I've got two young kids, so when we travel and you've got your own room and own bed, the temptation is <laughs> once you're done for the day, go back and get some sleep um, and, and, you know, get a good night's sleep and rest. But, you know, like I've probably learned over the last few years that it's also a great opportunity because everyone else is away from their family to go and, like, hang out get to know people and, and you see a different side of people when they're a bit more relaxed and, um, you know, at night, not necessarily at the club. Um, yep, yep. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing that I need to mention with relationships is, is you know, with the actual athletes and players, um, this, is, this is something that's changed a lot since when, you know, when I first started. I think um, we've gone from, you know, a time when we were probably quite, off, you know, authoritarian towards players and, 
you know, this is how it is. And, you know, if they were doing something wrong, you'd kind of, you know, and I've had to kind of, and, and I probably took a little bit of prod in here from some people, you know, management at, at club I work with now, but like you've had, you've had to evolve and um, become, I mean, you, you work, said you work for the player, you not don't work at, you know, you don't work for the club so much. Does that kind of make sense? So yeah. I've gone away from kind of being that, you know, whether whether I was authoritarian or not, but kind of been someone that yeah, would yell at players if they were, yeah, or kind of, you know, try and be like that if they weren't doing the right thing to try and be a bit more like build a relationship with them. So if it ever came to the top point where you need to, you know, not discipline, but you need to say something, yeah, you, you kind of can as well. And I think it's taken on better if you've got a better relationship with them. Um, so, yeah, it's not just just staff. It's it's people, all people at the club, yeah. Yeah, invest, invest in the people, and like you said, football yeah, clubs I, are people. So. Yeah, and I guess, I guess go back to being shy as well. Like you go into a footy club, it's pretty intimidating, and then you know they're these big, strong football players, and you kind of feel a bit, you know, you're, you're quite shy when you first start. Um, which, which you know, you, you just can't play like that, and and you have to sort of come out of your shell. And um, yeah, I think you get a way better result when you kind of spend some time trying to get to know the guys rather than. Uh, yeah, rather than us versus them, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Hey guys, hope you're loving this episode with Luke. For all the strength and conditioning coaches and developing footballers listening in and or parents that want to learn more on the topic strength and conditioning for football, little reminder about episode 16 we did with Ian McEwen. It's a great episode on these very topics. He was the high-performance manager at the time at the Port Adelaide Football Club. And like Luke has a great experience in this field. So if you're enjoying this episode, make sure to listen right to the end. And then you may want to check out episode 16 of the Pair Like a Pro podcast. For athletes that it may be really hard, but they don't have access to a gym, what, what would you recommend that they do? Like, is, there, is it power bands, mini bands? Is it setting up a dumbbell at home? What would be your sort of key pillars that you'd recommend? Is it just focus on the running side of things and body weight work? Yeah, look, I think that there's, there's uh, again, there, there's a lot of people exploring how to, and particularly during this last year, I've learned how to do body weight stuff or how to do more stuff at home with little to no weights. Like that's, there's plenty of people out there, like, I guess from a, a strength and conditioning point of view, like I, um, I'm an advocate of, of making sure you've got your eccentric work in. So doing your Nordics, that sort of stuff. But again, probably as long as you're, whatever you're doing, as long as you're walking out and you can, and don't quote me on the numbers exactly, mm. but if you can do a Copenhagen lever for a minute each side or for reps of 20 to 30, if you can do single leg calf raises for 30, 40 plus, if you can you know, hold yourself in a hip abduction position for a long period of time, that's, that's, the, that's the, if you get that right, then we can worry yeah. about how, well, how much you squat, all that other stuff, that comes later. Thank you for tuning in, guys. And back now with Luke Mann. What about from a strength and conditioning, like if we nerd out for a second here in terms of philosophy yeah. for the SNCs listening, how as you, yeah. you've mentioned, like Loris was quite ahead of his time with the power yeah. side of things and, and the game has changed a fair bit, but he, he was almost yeah. ahead by the sounds of it. So you got exposed to quite modern day strength yeah. and conditioning, I guess, quite early in your career. But how have you found you've changed your philosophy, both SNCs, yeah. but also for athletes listening, for footballers that, want to, that don't have access to an SNC? How should a footballer yeah. be preparing for the game, do you think? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. I'll try and answer this the best way I can. I, I think when I first started, what was it, 15, 20 years ago, um, and still to this day, a lot of um, traditional S&C is influenced by the rugby, you know, rugby union guys, you know, and their kind of work. Um, Jason Webber was, was a guy who everyone kind of looked up to when I first started, who was in charge of the Wallabies program. And that was kind of seen as, you know, the way to S&C sport. Um, and I guess, you know, and that stuff's awesome and it's awesome for rugby union. Um, I guess with that was a lot of heavy a lifting bit, and, and getting big. A lot of heavy lifting, which is awesome and what's required for, for those sports. Um, I guess how it's kind of evolved, and, and I hope people can understand this, we've kind of gone away not, not completely away from that. There's still an element. Um, we still definitely do max strength lifting um, in our program, but we've gone away from lifting heavy three, four times a week. And I guess 
my philosophy is I've changed from trying to get the guys as strong and powerful and whatever as possible to how's my program um, get these guys into great shape for AFL, but also keep them injury free. Um, so yeah, it's moved. It's moved to more of a. I suppose we we do a we do kind of a conjugate program where we we still do touch on strength in the first part of a week. Um, but yeah, we definitely do a lot more dynamic work than what, what I would have done 10, 15 years ago. And the, and the second part to that is I think when I first started doing the S&C role at the Bulldogs, we kind of had this philosophy where you'd spend all of pre-Christmas smashing the guys with strength work, strength work or hypertrophy, whatever their needs were. And then, you know, Christmas would come and then we'd get into January and be approaching games and then you kind of transition to doing power work, I suppose you'd call it. So it was kind of a strength base switching into power. And one thing that's definitely changed um, from that angle is that we do everything concurrently now. I mean, day one, when they come back from, from their off-season, we're doing speed training, we're doing max strength training that week, we're doing dynamic power work later in the week, and we kind of like bring it all up together, <laughs> if that makes sense, rather than going strength, 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 building the base, power. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's definitely yeah. I'm I'm not sure what your experiences are, but that that's kind of what I've been change over the years. Yeah, I mean, I uh, you've been in the industry for 20 years, so you've seen a lot, obviously, a hell of a lot more than me. But I learned that off Andrew Russell with his philosophy, which he yep. um, sounds like really similar in the sense of Loris ahead of his time as well. And they yeah, talking about how you don't want to detrain, like that's way worse than actually. Um, getting a huge gain in one thing, but then you're losing it, and then you, you know the yo-yo effect. Where if you can just try and hold yep. and develop all the qualities, yep. um, that's right, which makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? When you first hear it, you're like, yeah. oh, penny drops, and you're like, oh yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, the other uh, thing that's changed is the the the, um, the draftees that are coming in are, are way. You now we'll put a caveat on this because there's been COVID. They're way better developed physically than what they were mm. 10, 15 years ago. Um, so the guys that are doing programs at the um, at the junior levels are, are doing a really great job, um, generally speaking. Um, in saying that, COVID's been really challenging for these kids coming in um, into the program. You know, they're, they're coming in, some guys are quite highly trained, but, you know, some guys are coming in that have hardly done anything for the last two years and hardly played. Um, but so that's another thing that's changed. We're not probably not dealing with as many, um, I, I like to say, like, there's 20-year-old, 18-year-olds, and there's 15-year-old, 18-year-olds, yeah. and we're probably dealing with less of that secondary thing nowadays. Um, so that's changed for sure for the better. Um, so it allows you just, you know, it just allows you to get straight into the performance stuff rather than spending too much time um, developing them. Still need to develop, of course, but, yeah, that, that's changed um, amongst other things. Yeah, and, and what about where, where's your sort of stance or, uh, where do you focus? I imagine there's a bit of both, but like, are you trying to focus predominantly on developing capacities, like with within athletes, or is it more sort of how they're moving and their mobility, yeah. stability side of things with technique? Do you think? Yeah, no, that yeah, they're, they're, I mean, the whole department probably not. It's not just me, um, Bergie, my boss. He's or our boss. He um he spends a lot of time kind of working out which direction for each guy and what they need and where they're really strong, what areas they're strong in. And, uh, and we kind of like, well, we do work collaboratively, uh, collaboratively past my bedtime. Yeah. We, we do work together, I'll say, um, yeah. on these yeah. things. But yeah, we, we, do, we, do, we do do those things. Um, me specifically, I'm, I'm more worried about um, strength or hypertrophy or, you know, do they need more time, spending more time developing um, rate of force development or are they a, uh, are they already that athlete and how do we maximize that? How do we, you know, and a lot of it is also is a lot of injury, injury prevention stuff on uh, how they move, um, making them better movers, um, which, which you touched on for sure. Yep. And then what about like screening, like the medical side of things? How, how much of that do you take into account in terms of their individualization, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we've kind of gone away from the, uh, the general movement screens. Um, you know, the FMSs and those kind of things. They, they have their place for sure. But, um, you know, we, we, we kind of, like I've been doing this a long, long time and I kind of think I can watch a guy do a squat or duck under a hurdle and 
kind of pick up three or four things that we, we might be able to put into their injury prevention program um, from that, you know, that, that side of things. So we don't do a movement screen per se. I mean, the medical guys have their own little medical screens for sure. But, yeah, from a movement point of view, you know, like we'll, we'll get them marching over hurdles or going under hurdles or we can see them in the, in the weights room and we can pick up little things that we can, can work on for sure. Yeah. I think that's just comes with the experience. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I, I hope that. Okay, yeah. So training is screening for yeah. you. You'll see the young yeah. boys come into the program or new recruits and you just integrate them into your program and you start to see how yeah. they squat hinge and yeah. Yeah. He squats and you know, he, he sinks in, you know, he doesn't sink into his heel. He goes into his four forward. He's got a tight ankle or his hips gone or yeah. I think, I think with time and experience, you can kind of do those things as you go. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely going under her hurdles are a great exposer of movement, I think. Yeah. Okay. So with that, so is that set up like a dow stick out coming out of the rig or is that uh, yeah, it's up to anything. a proper it's hurdle? Just, yeah. Pro- proper athletic hurdles. We, uh, yeah, we've got, got the guys going over them weekly or under them weekly as well. And um, yeah, you pick up a lot. You can learn a lot about them and how they are. What are some big things um, for the footballers listening that you see? Some <laughs> some uh, areas that are not yeah, well, classic classic AFL tight hip, tight lower back, <laughs> ankle problems, you know, your shoulder problems. You can see them rotating, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, probably, how long have we got? Yeah, and then you know, let's say hips. Um, what would be some real bang for buck uh, drills or mo- mobility, tissue work, yeah. whatever it is that you feel. You get good return. Yeah, well, athletes get good I'm, return. I'm, I'll probably answer that. Yeah, I'll probably answer that by saying, um, "Oh, this is this is a pretty a much bigger bigger uh, issue." But doing mobility is quite boring for AFL players um, mm. in general, and flexibility and stretching and yoga and all that. And it, it probably is for most people. Um, guys at the back end of their career will always say to me, "I wish I'd taken this more seriously when I was younger." Um, yep. You know, got a 22 year old can you know play a game and be feeling pretty good two days later <laughs> without doing taking that much care of his body. Um, I'm speaking a bit, you know, I'm trying to make a bit of fun of this, but yeah, I, I would say yeah. to people who are listening, who are or especially young players, not to neglect, not to neglect mobility and uh, and uh, flexibility training in their program, um, but but in conjunction with the, a, a good strength program. Yeah, and like you said, it is boring, particularly for the young that don't have the motive of, of pain <laughs> driving them. Uh, yeah. So is it on yeah. us to make it interesting, like with games and things, do you think? Or I is it more know. just yeah. preventing sure, sitting like down a, for a long time? Well, I mean, there are guys that love sitting on their beanbag playing PlayStation for all sorts of hours. Um and then come in and they're great movers. But I say to them, you know, at some point that's going to catch up with you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things like doing a yoga or a stretching session, you, you kind of, it seems like an effort, but you always feel better after you do it. Um, how you sell it to the players, I don't know. Like it, it's better when they're obviously self-driven to do it. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things. It's probably, it has not changed in 15 years. <laughs> it's, it's uh Always like there's a lot of them you got to kind of coax into doing it, which yeah. is really funny. I find that it's really really funny because it's, it's definitely going to help them. But yeah, so it's a weird one. I don't know what your experience is with it, but no, I, don't, I just know that's that's been a li- now going back into working with high school athletes and parents talking about it. They can't touch their toes, and particularly because of COVID, a lot of Melbourne boys have yeah. spent a lot of time on Zooms and sitting down, and it's not been their yeah. fault. Um, but then now they're coming back full activity. And, uh, you know, 14-year-olds straining their hamstring and lower back pain, knee pain, like basically yeah. adult stuff is popping up in that population. So it's, yeah, I was keen to pick your brain on. <laughs> I'm thinking about yeah. it, trying to find I wish I had something for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one because oh, you know it is boring. You know, I, but... you know what I do? I, I, um, <laughs> the guys, the older guys, they got kids. I get them to jump on YouTube and, and do yoga with your toddler. Um, you know, there's some pretty cool little fun yoga things for kids and that's good stretching so yeah that's one way i've tried to encourage some of the older boys to uh do a bit of bit of yoga at home um but yeah they definitely it's not something that they um jump to do that's for sure and it's quite a frustration of my boss 
um, Peter, who's come from a track and field background, you know, who knows the value of it and, and obviously did a lot of it himself. And it's, uh, it's always been a bugbear of his that boys um, don't do more of it or don't embrace it more. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's what so, I'm saying. Our guys, yeah. are, I'm not begging. Our guys are terrific yeah. and everything. It's just, yeah, stretching can be a bit of a, a funny one sometimes. Yeah, but that's it's good to uh, you know for the footballers listening, it's an opportunity to get a bit of an edge, really, because like you said, it hasn't changed much in 15 years at the top level. So if it's something yeah, you start chipping true. away at now, um, and the general consensus is a yoga class a week, how's that as as the takeaway? Yeah, well, we, we <laughs> yeah in our program we yeah in our program we. Um, structure of our week we have a this time of year we have a wednesdays are a day off um and on tuesday so we train we do a main session on mondays and on tuesday mornings we do uh i guess we call it a maximal strength leg lower session and then we finish our day before our day off with a, a yoga or a big stretch um together we find that's a good way to end that that phase of the week um for their day off but yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm sure I'd love to know to think that they're all on their day off doing extras, or every night they go home and do it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't, <laughs> can't say for sure that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, on challenges, what has been one of your biggest challenges? Uh, I guess a growth phase, um, and, and what did you learn from it? Uh, oh. so you, you mean when I first started, or? Throughout your whole career, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, that's an easy one to answer. It's definitely the last two years. Um, Yep. And I'm sure you've you've found that yourself, and probably a lot of people listening. It's um, if I speak purely, like I'm not going to talk from a personal point of view, but from a professional point of view, um, you know, I didn't even know that being stood down was a (laughs) a thing. Um, so when, when, you know, COVID hit and the league stopped and then, you know, jumping onto a, I didn't know what Zoom was, <laughs> jumping on a Zoom meeting and being told that you stood down and I'm thinking, what, did, you know, what, what stood down? Um, and then realizing quite quickly, I mean, I, mean, I didn't have any work. <laughs> I had to learn pretty quickly. Um, you know, and then, you know, you go and you know, it's like, um, and I'm sure, not just uh, working in sport, but working in sport, you're so busy all the time and you're constantly working. Um, and then going from that, you know, and that was the end of, that was round one. So we'd just come out of pre-season. So like it was a really busy time of year. And then all of a sudden you're, you're waking up and you've got nothing to do. Um, I found that just, there was all sorts of things. Oh, it was terrifying really. Um, so that was, you know, and, and then, you know, the reality of, how am I going to pay the bills and all that sort of stuff um, as a secondary thing. But yeah, I kind of like, I, I kind of just had to find a way to keep myself busy. And um, I didn't know, none of us knew when we were going to go back to, to footy and training. So after sort of wallowing in self-pity for a couple of days, I thought, well, okay, I need to, how do I stay engaged with um, players and the staff and, you know, so we came up with some, you know, Zoom workouts, which weren't really workouts. I kind of more just jump on and have a laugh and have a bit of fun and just next know, session <laughs> forget about what was going on for <laughs> for twenty minutes. Um, yeah, so you know, it's probably not helping anyone that's trying to get in the industry. How I my, my hardest time, but yeah, the last two years has been, you know, and even like I, I probably probably evolves a bit into last year was really challenging too. Um, from a sense that like we were finishing games and not knowing when our next game was going to be. So I've gone from, and I'm, I'm, I like to be a very organized person and I have my whole year set out and programs ready and, you know, not that I don't change them, but yeah, all of a sudden I'm going to, I'm going from that to, okay, well, I don't know. We've, we've played on a Sunday and we're not finding out until Tuesday where we're playing or where, who we're playing and what day it's going to be. And so the time program in that sense was really, really hard too. And, um, kind of made me, yeah, like I was, you end up just programming the bare minimum and trying to tweak it as you, as you went because you just didn't know. Um, so last year I found really, really hard and really hard as an S&C or as a strength guy. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was really tough. Um, so here's to hoping that this year is quite normal. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah you kind of don't want to jinx it by saying that, but, yeah, like so far so good. And, um, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I found last year really, really challenging. Yeah, from yep. a professional point of view. Yeah. And like 
So for the two challenges there, I guess the first one being stood down, like you said, out of the blue, completely out of your control. Yeah. Um, were there any takeaways from that experience at all? Like that would, if that time happened again, or I don't know, yeah. do you live a bit differently now or have you changed things or is it just that because that was um, such an outlier that you, you've sort of just moved on with it? <laughs> yeah, I've done uh, oh, from look from a personal point of view, it, it probably taught me the importance of routine, <laughs> and it probably taught me gratitude too. I mean, I've always loved my job and and thought this is pretty cool, but yeah, like once it gets taken away from you, um, you kind of think pretty quickly about um, how important it is to you. And um, things things that I probably learnt was the things about your job that um, you don't necessarily think about that are really important, like a routine and like the social side of work and being organized to go to work. And, you know, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I hope I'm answering that right, but it was a, it was a bit of a head spin, wasn't it? Um, yeah. hundred oh, percent. Like he said, you know, uh, like you, I was like, you know, working with, you know, the premiers to then thinking four or five days later, Oh God, where do I, how do, how do you get the doll? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and that's pretty, you know, pretty, pretty hard between the eyes. And, um, you know, fortunately, JobKeeper came around and, and we we're only out of work for, I think, in the end, eight or nine weeks. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't the end of the world. And, and look, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, people have suffered a lot more than me. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely an eye-opener and probably, probably showed you, I mean, sport's always been volatile and, and you always feel a little bit vulnerable anyway. Um, but yeah, probably definitely hit home how, how vulnerable you actually really are. Yep. And then the second one, like you mentioned, you like to be well, you know, prepared, organised, and you've got sort of clarity on where you're going with your phases. And then suddenly, that's blown out of the yep. water, and you've got to yep. make these agile decisions, um, which you were making anyway, like you said. But now you generally have to change everything for the given week. Um, what yeah. about that from a practical point of view, or philosophy, oh. or? SNC yeah, I mean, I just things. went to. I guess I kind of sat down and and just thought, well, what's the what's the minimum that we can do? Um, kind of went with a minimalist kind of approach to just this is in the gym with strength training. Because um, you know, like I, you, you could easily have kept your program going and, and hit them pretty hard on say a Tuesday after a Saturday game, and then who knows, like you could have been playing three days later. So you kind of had to be prepared for um, a game to be any time. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that answers it. I, I went with just the bare minimum. What, what's the minimum effective dose? Um, we'll keep these guys going as best as we can. Um, you know, and again, to, to make things a little bit more complicated with, with the whole scenario was we were coming off a, a really, really shortened pre-season. We, we, you know, our senior guys didn't come back till after Christmas because um, we finished so late the year before. Oh, sorry, no, yeah, yeah, the year before in 2020, we finished in late October. So, you know, we only had a six-week block before we were playing games. Um, so there wasn't a lot to to work off um, to kind of, yeah. you know, there wasn't a lot holding everything up. Um, so I just spent the whole year kind of just thinking, when's this all going to fall apart physically? Um, you know, and, and fortunately it didn't fall apart. It wasn't too bad. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough yeah, it was a good learning year, but it was a really, really hard year to to do my job professionally. I'm uh, I'm down to eight percent battery, mate. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring my charger in with me. So, uh, that's uh, all right. We'll yeah. we'll whiz through the uh, we're at the last part of the the podcast anyway, mate. But um, yeah, cool. this part's a bit a bit lighter. Um, yeah. it's the it's the the fun personal stuff. The get to yeah. know Luke. So, which movie or TV series has impacted you the most, and why? I saw you write that one. I, I don't know. I, I, I watch a lot of TV. I probably watch too much TV, especially the last two years. I, 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 I don't know, mate. I, I, I watch Survivor's my favourite show. I don't make of that what you will. Um, yep. I, I love Survivor. I can watch that. I can watch that every night. <laughs> I was dirty that it wasn't on last. It was on um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was only uh, three days a week. I, I don't know, mate. I, honestly, I'll, yeah, my answer to that is, which isn't what you're asking, I watch too much TV, which probably complicates. Yeah. What about our favourite inspirational quote or life motto? Uh, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I saw this one as well. I'm not doing really well here, am I? Uh, oh, look, you know, um, 
aim for the moon, and if you miss, you'll hit a star. Kind of think big, you know. And if yep. if you miss, you're still going to do a pretty good job. Um, Dimmer Dimmer's got a philosophy of the eighty twenty rule. If you're doing things. If you're doing eighty percent of things well, you're generally doing a pretty good job. And I think you know perfection doesn't necessarily exist. So, you know, kind of, and that's anything I'm doing as a parent, as a father, or in my professional life, or as a husband. I kind of think if I'm doing things pretty well to that extent, you know, I'm, I'm not too harsh on myself like I used to be. Things, I hope that makes yep. sense. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a good one. And and what about uh, on the flip side uh, in your work life? What what makes you angry? What are your, your pet peeves? <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple. Um, packing the gym up, probably a common one, which you've heard. Um, yep, yep, our guys 100%. are pretty good, but, you know, like at the end of a long week and, you know, when they're, our program's in the afternoon, they're going from strength to, to a coaching meeting to whatever. So often they're rushing off. Um, so that's one. Um, that's not my biggest thing. <laughs> the OCD in me, I hate when guys match different weights on the barbell. So we've got some iron edge ones, yeah. we've got some techno gym ones. I'm like, I don't know. And I hate when a guy will use a small five techno gym plate and then on the other side they'll use a big iron edge techno plate. <laughs> Doesn't my head in. <laughs> or they'll stack the bar on, they have a, like a 10 kilo, then a 20, then a 15. You know, they will go from starting in order. That, yeah, yeah, that's the OCD in me. And that, you know, <laughs> which says a lot about me. That does my head in. Yeah. 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 You're not alone there. And uh, in a COVID-free world, favourite, yeah. uh, but these last two, that is, favourite way to spend your day off? Uh, okay. Uh, well, it's with my kids, I better say, shouldn't I? <laughs> it's yeah, with yeah. my family now, mate. Yeah, I don't get, a, you know, working in sport, I, I don't get a lot of time with, like when I do get a day with my two, two girls, I like to spend the day with the girls, um, trying to do an activity and, yeah, be a, be a father, um, which is a, very different answer to what I would have told you 10 years ago. <laughs> nah, that's awesome, mate. And what about holiday destination around the whole world? Where, where would you love to go? Uh, well, New York, America. I love, I love going to the States. I love American sport. Um, I love the food over there. Um, so, yeah, you know, I can't wait to get back over there at some point. So, I, 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 yeah, I used to go quite a lot um, for work and, you know, professional development and, and for fun as well for holidays. But, yeah, it's been, um, been a – it's felt like ages since we've even, even been allowed to get over there. So, yeah, I'd love to get over there. Probably take my kids to Disneyland when they're a little bit older. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool if I have the opportunity yeah. to. Um, yeah. Also, I've got, a brother that, I've got a brother that lives in um, Ireland. So um, I've, I was lucky enough to go there for his wedding about seven or eight years ago. Um, but I'd love to take my family there to see Ireland too. So, yeah. Awesome, mate. And you mentioned yeah. professional development. Obviously, you get a lot from you know career that you've had nearly, you know, like we said, off air to up to twenty years, which is incredible in elite sport. Um, what about outside of the walls of how? What are other ways that you go about developing your knowledge, or or is it speaking to other people, giving on the call about any issues you're having, yeah. or or brainstorming, or is it podcasts, yeah. articles, yeah, sort of. Yeah, it used to be traveling and meeting people and talking or, you know, calling up people you used to work with. Um, that's obviously changed. Podcasts are great, um, great learning tool. Um, you can listen to some awesome coaches, you know, strength coach podcast or your podcast. Also, all sorts of podcasts are great. Um, I try to read as much as I can. It's quite hard with two young kids and a busy, busy work life. Um, you know, but yeah, there's all those things. It's, it's just, um, you know, keeping your, um, keeping your, your mentors and talking through things and staying in touch with guys you work with and, you know, that, that, that's kind of what it is. And, but, yeah, definitely podcasts and, and learning that way has been good the last couple of yeah. years when I haven't been able to get away. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for jumping on, mate. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks, yeah, give, giving us the hour of your time and also being so open and honest and, and upfront about what's worked for you, your challenges, how you've overcome them and, yeah, all the yeah. learnings that you've had from your mentors as well yeah. as your, how your philosophies evolved. Really appreciate it. But what are you yeah. um, what are you excited about for the rest of the year? What's on the uh, horizon for you? Well, hopefully some normality. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been so hard for anyone to, to kind of switch off outside of if they're lucky enough to have a job. Um, you know, being able to see family and friends again 
has been uh, been good, and uh, hopefully things stay that way. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to a, a, hopefully a normal footy season um, where we're not, you know, locked in a Perth hotel for a week to play a game of footy, or you know, we're going back to the MCG and it's packed and things feel normal again. That, that's what I'm excited about, and um, so far so good, and it's looking promising. Hundred percent. Well, fingers crossed, mate. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Um, Of course, mate. Thanks for coming on. If if anyone wants to reach out or get in touch with you, is there a a, a best place? It's probably LinkedIn, but yeah, I'm not a big social media person, so probably should be, but um, yeah, it's LinkedIn you can find me on and um, that's probably the one. I'm not sure if that's great either, but yeah, that's how you can reach. Okay. Yeah. Easy. We'll add it in the show notes and Yeah, thank you, everyone, that's tuned in and listened to this episode. If you want to watch the recording, guys, head over to Prepare Like a Pro in anywhere, any directory of of podcast, and we'll have our next um, Prepare Like a Pro live chat uh, next Thursday with Professor and Sports Scientist Robert Augie. So you can tune in on Thursday the 17th at 8.30 p.m. I'll see you guys then. Thanks again, Luke. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, mate. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane and I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah it certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's if you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, 
you know, thought there was one way of doing things. And um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.